Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Today in episode 9, I am discussing the 8th of the Ten Commandments as part of the Ordered Life series. This week's teaching is called, Respect the Rights of Others. Okay, humor me for a moment. Think back to the last movie that you saw that focused on someone who was a thief. Now, as you know, I'm old. So I think back to Bonnie and Clyde or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, or more recently, but still a minute or two ago, was Ocean's Eleven and its subsequent sequels. We tend to glamorize those thieves as folk heroes. Now, think back to a time when something was stolen from you or someone you are close to. Did you romanticize them? Did you think that they were a modern-day Robin Hood who was taking from the rich and giving to the poor? Probably not. More than likely, you wanted them found and punished. It's a lot easier for us to identify with the thief when the victim is a horrible person or an impersonal corporation, but the Eighth Commandment doesn't delineate stealing based on the character of the person being stolen from. Exodus, the 20th chapter, the 15th verse, says simply, You must not steal. For the purposes of this study, I will define stealing as taking what rightfully belongs to another. And stealing can take on several forms. Stealing can be an active process. This is what we commonly think of when we think of stealing. Robbery, burglary, shoplifting, and pickpocketing all fit into the category of active stealing. But this digital age has initiated some new forms of active theft. The huge increase in online shopping has birthed a new type of thief, the porch pirate. They cruise neighborhoods looking for packages that have not yet been brought into the house, and they help themselves. Another form of digital stealing is identity theft, where the thief opens accounts in someone else's name or hacks credit cards and fraudulently spends money that is not theirs. This type of stealing is easily recognizable. But stealing can also be passive. Now, what do I mean by passive stealing? Well, passive theft is withholding what is deserved by another or not doing what is in your power to do to keep someone from suffering loss unjustly. Passive theft is seeing that someone is being cheated and not speaking up to put a stop to it. It is making an agreement with someone that if they will do something, you will do something, and then after they do their part, you refuse to do your part. It could also mean goofing off or tending to personal business while on the clock at work. That kind of stealing isn't as obvious, but it is still taking what rightfully belongs to another. And stealing isn't always illegal. There are many instances where people have lost possessions due to the scheming and trickery of someone who operated just within the boundaries of the law to gain something that they had no moral basis to obtain. 
I recently saw a report of a man who conned a number of women out of millions of dollars through an online dating app. Everyone acknowledged that what he had done was despicable, but it wasn't technically illegal, so he continues to work his schemes. The women he has defrauded now have to rebuild their lives while it appears that he will escape scot-free. Although no court will convict him, he is still guilty of violating God's commandment that you must not steal. Okay, that was not much fun, but I needed to define what I feel that stealing is. Now, let's talk about why stealing has made it into the top 10 of biblical commandments. There are many today who feel that it is their right to get their hands on things that they think will make their lives easier or more enjoyable, and the method that is used to get them doesn't matter too much as long as they get what they want. They believe that ethics are subjects to debate and can be altered based on the circumstance instead of being a standard that is to be held in every situation. So I'm going to talk for a minute now about what I feel that the Bible tells us about why stealing is so wrong. First is that the thief assumes superiority over the victim. Now this can be manifested in the attitude that You may have to work for what you have, but I don't. Or, you don't deserve all that you have. Or, I deserve much more than I have. But that is not the attitude that God calls us to. In Philippians, the second chapter and the third verse, the Apostle Paul writes, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. That selfish attitude that I can assume to take what is yours is distinctly in opposition to the teachings of Jesus, who calls us to be generous with what we have. Second, stealing lessens the person who steals. The thief who is caught will suffer loss to his reputation. The penalties will be public and can be severe. But the person who is not caught also suffers loss, and it could even be greater. Now, why do I say that? The person who is caught has the opportunity to square accounts through their punishment and to change their lifestyle in an attempt to rebuild the reputation. But the thief who is not caught has no opportunity to make things right. They begin to think that they have gained the system and they become suspicious of everyone else. Their imagination and energy are devoted to devising new ways to keep their scam going and how to avoid having to come clean. In doing so, they no longer see themselves as contributing members of the community. They can only be seen as a parasite, living off of the accomplishments of others. At last, stealing lessens our view of God. To the thief, God is not big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to supply what is necessary for life, so it is up to the thief's own devices to provide. But throughout the Bible, we are encouraged to trust our loving Heavenly Father to give us everything we need. In Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 19th verse, the Apostle Paul tells us that God took care of him and that God will also take care of us. He said, And this same God who takes care of me 
will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So what do we do with all this? In the study of each of the previous commandments, we have found that these commandments are not designed to limit or inhibit us, but are given to guide us into a free and ordered life as we live our lives in submission to God's loving commandments. So I ask again, what do we do? Well, to make it very simple, if you've been stealing, whether actively or passively, legally or illegally, stop doing that and treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Ephesians, the fourth chapter in the 28th verse, sums it up quite nicely. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, there is a story of someone who made that kind of turnaround. Zacchaeus was an unscrupulous tax collector who used his position to extort money from taxpayers. But when he met Jesus, his outlook changed, and so did his behavior. He realized the wrong that he had been doing and took steps to make things right. He gave half of his accumulated wealth away to give to the poor, and he made restitution to those that he had cheated. Now, Jesus was thrilled at this. He declared that this is what salvation looks like. Not just a change of heart, but a change in action. Stealing is so unnecessary when you realize what God has offered us through a relationship with Jesus. In Paul's first letter to his protege Timothy, he says that godliness with contentment is great gain. A little later he says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Now, I'm really having a good time sharing these Bible truths with you. There is so much here that reveals how God placed these loving commandments so that wherever we are and whatever our situation in life, they will lead us to a peaceful and ordered life if we will just understand what a great gift they are to us and follow them as we live for Jesus. Thank you for listening to Episode 9 of the I'm Still Learning Podcast. Next week, I will talk about the Ninth Commandment as part of the Ordered Life series in a teaching called No Trolls Allowed. 